0: You're listening to a podcast from Reality Honolulu. For more information or ways to get involved in the life of the church, visit realityhonolulu.com. Thanks for listening. God, we thank you that we have it in our hands, readily available, and that it is a light unto our path and a lamp unto our feet. And so... Uh, Holy Spirit, minister to us, speak to us. We are in need of hearing from you. God, have your way. Would you anoint my lips? Would your word, by the power of your Holy Spirit, dig deep into our hearts and implant itself? Um, We hold it as an anchor to our soul. Pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. So fun. Uh, Love that time of worship with you guys. Uh, Church. Like I said last week, and if you've been with us, I believe it is out of God's kindness to us that the exact spot in Scripture that we've been in and studying is so very applicable to this current state of things and very changes that we're having to make as a church like if you look at other churches, they're like stopping series and going to the book of Acts to exactly where we already are in. And uh, guys, that is just so kind of the Lord that there can be some stability, even with what we're reading in scripture, that we can still be the church and still get, dig into God's word. And uh, as you know, we're in the book of Acts chapter two, and we're in this three uh, week three of a five-part series of what we're calling the Blueprints of the Church. And we're taking five weeks to dig into and expand upon the last few verses of the book of Acts. And these verses describe the practices and the rhythms of the early church and how they went about meeting uh, together around the person of Jesus. And what we want to do is use that. Use the Word of God. Use it uh, as a template and a blueprint. Really, we see it as a guide that we can learn and follow suit from with the things that they did. And it is so important in this season, when we're not regularly meeting, that we understand and know what the church is to be like and how we can participate in these rhythms and these practices to gather around Jesus and There is more uh, that encompasses the church than this little description in the book of Acts. But in this section of scripture, we see the basic DNA uh, of what the church, God's people, is. And if there's ever a reminder that we need is that the church isn't a building, right? The Christians worldwide are learning that. But rather the church is a people and it's a people gathered around Jesus. And so let's uh, read with me uh, Acts 2, uh, 42 through 47. So if you have a Bible, uh, turn with me to Acts 2, 42 through 47. There are no screens right now and you will not be seeing this. So if you have a Bible, please do that. Uh, but let's read the text and draw out a few things for a time for our time today. I'll be reading out of the NAV as usual. It says this, Acts 2, 42. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So what we see here is that the church learns, gathers, shares, remembers, and worships. So looking back at our first week, just two weeks ago, we looked at the idea that as followers of Jesus, as disciples, right, in essence, and by definition, means that we are learners. We are constantly learning. We're a learning people. And we are learning from our rabbi, and that's Jesus. And we're to emulate his life for our own. A more familiar idea of discipleship is apprenticeship, right? That we study and we take on the very nature of our teacher, that being Jesus. And what's so interesting is that for the first disciples, right, their classroom uh, was very unconditional, right? It was it was walking and eating, and it was uh, on boats in storms. It was uh, through sermons, through seen miracles performed. It was through persecution. It was being with Jesus for three years in his presence. That's how they learned. That's how they apprenticed Jesus. And by doing that, they learned about who God was and what it meant to follow him in all sorts of different ways. And so you could say that their apprenticeship was very hands-on and farthest from ordinary structured uh, The the normal. What's so interesting and applicable to this is for us now, so many of us can really be thrown off because the way in which we are normally engaging with God and that we normally worship and that we normally learn and apprentice Jesus maybe feels off, right? Because it's different because you're watching this through Facebook instead of in a cafeteria, which I wish I was with you right now. But for us, church isn't normal. And for some of us, this isn't comfortable, right? This isn't comfortable for us. It's not what we're used to. But a good reminder is that despite our classroom setting, that Jesus, our rabbi and our teacher still desires to meet with us. And I believe teach us and grow us in even deeper and more profound ways than we would have, than would ever have happened if all of this didn't happen. And I would go as far to say that God wants to make something beautiful out of this. Because that's what he does. We cannot forget the nature of God. His nature does not change because the world is changing. That's not how it works. What God does is he makes beauty from ashes. He turns mourning into dancing and he is the only one able To bring restoration and renewal to the whole world. And so I believe and expect that God, in the midst of like this crazy, strange, weird time, that God wants to make something really beautiful out of it, even though it's extremely different. That said, last week we were reminded that a core practice to foster connection with God and with one another was the intentional meeting together. Um, They met in large gatherings, in small gatherings, in in the temple courts, and in house to house. And there was unique purposes to both of those. And together, both the large gathering and the small gathering of the early church had its own purposes. And there was a need for both to be regular rhythms in their life. Uh, That was to foster healthy, balanced growth. Um, as a group of people and as a family. And so for us, normally, that would be large gatherings on Sunday morning when we're all there with our kids and our families. And that's the day of the week we see everybody. Uh, And also, we try to say, oh, well, we need small gatherings in our life too. So that's Ohana groups and Bible studies and accountability partners and all like your friendships and community that you have at the church outside of Sunday. Uh, But we're unable to do that right now, right in an ideal way. And we're having to be creative, what literally we're doing right now. And what many of you did this week through Google Hangouts and FaceTime and Zoom, like we're still trying to be the church gathered. And it's so important that we still do that. And we have technology to be able to do that. But the next thing I wanna highlight is a core practice that absolutely defined the early church and should define us as a church as well. And this also couldn't be a more perfect time to hear this, but the church is a community that shares. If you pay attention to this section of scripture in Acts, there is some absolutely radical generosity and self-sacrificial giving going on. When they gathered, they did a bunch of stuff. But don't miss it that what a, a primary practice was them sharing needs. And they did what it took to meet the needs of the people. Like, it was radical. I don't know if you skipped over it because we didn't want to hear it, but they sold possessions. They sold everything that they had personally to give to the collective body's health and well-being. Like, let's just think about that for a second. This is radical generosity. So let me, let me break it down so we can understand this. So in order to meet needs, people had to share needs. Right, you can't meet a need if you don't know about it. But once needs were shared, they gave of themselves radically to meet others' needs. This is the idea of loving others more than ourselves. Unless you don't watch anything, like this is news to you that we're not meeting on Sunday and coronavirus isn't happening, unless that's news to you, and maybe you haven't left your house, The reason why this is so needed to hear is that we are living in a time where the whole world, the climate is living in one of self-preservation, hoarding, like a hoarding mentality. Like stores, every store is having to put limits because they're being emptied because there's this climate of self-preservation. But also, maybe more than ever, maybe in some of our lifetimes, people will be without and hurting and in need more than ever. So not only does that come when it comes to health, right, by all means hurting, but also in our own little church. This week, I've heard from you, and my heart's breaking for you, but some of you have already lost your jobs. You're in jeopardy of losing insurance for your family. Like you're taking huge financial hits. You're filing for unemployment. And the list goes on, let alone all the emotional and mental um, stuff that happens when we're isolated and not gathering because social interaction is such a part of God's design for us. Relationships is key and core to our well-being. And so in one way or another, we're all hurting and in need. And at this time, the needs are high, but also the social climate is that uh, that breeds self-preservation and is actually pulling at everything the scripture model tells us to be, right? Because even if uh, we were normally a, a, if you were normally a giving or a generous person, the lack around us and the uncertainty of the future can cause our generosity to to not only be pulled back, but maybe even swallowed up entirely. We're we're not immune to that. We're all feeling that, that stretch, like I, I need a, There's self-preservation. I need to get it. I need to take care. The needs are high. Uh Uh-oh. Our generosity is just pulled back and swallowed up. That said, uh, I'm not saying that, of course, we all need to be wise. We all need to prepare. Take care of yourself and your family. I'm not saying don't do that. But when Jesus' first apprentices, the 12 disciples, um, wanted to know what the most important thing to do was, there's a lot they were learning They're trying to take it all in. It was very countercultural, everything that Jesus was telling them to do. They were seeing things they'd never saw before. Jesus, what's the most important thing? Like, what is the greatest commandment that we need to follow? And Jesus, in Mark 12, 29 through 31, says, The most important one, answered Jesus, is this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord, your God, with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. If you see there, Jesus at the end intertwines the two, right? There is a strong correlation between the way in which we love Jesus is the way we love others. And the Bible would even go far as to say, if you're not loving others, then you're not loving me. If you're not taking care of the poor, then you're not taking, then you're not loving me. There's a very strong correlation that if we love God, that means also that we love our neighbor as ourselves. In the early church, like, didn't forget that. They grabbed hold of that and they practiced this. As they gathered, like, they pract- their, their, their practice of sharing needs and meeting needs was to foster and cultivate this, right? It, it doesn't mean that this is only supposed to happen in the church. Please know, don't, don't, don't hear that. But I do believe that maybe it's supposed to start in the church, but absolutely not in there. I think a better way to think about it is that the church, God's people, us, should be the place where this is first practiced exercised and lived out so that it becomes a regular, natural habit um, as we do the same thing to those around us, especially those that are far off from the church. So what I believe is that the church should be a place to gather to allow these things by the power of the Spirit to incubate, to grow, to mature and become natural and normal so that our witness to the most vulnerable and needy in our community is one of radical, sacrificial generosity. I believe we see that modeled in the early church. And that said, um, Church, Reality Honolulu, I want to speak directly to us this morning. In our local expression of God's global church, let's take a lesson from the early church here, and let's start by being open and vulnerable and sharing our needs with one another. Like, don't get me wrong. This is so hard to do. Like, I, I know myself and I know so many of you. We are so ready, most of us at our church. I love you guys. I'm, I'm saying we because this is included for me. We're so ready to rescue. We're so ready to rescue the day and come to someone's rescue. But it's like, Pulling teeth to receive rescue ourselves. Like, there's no way we want to share needs. Like, we don't want people to know that we need anything. We'll help you. We'll die for you. But we have a hard time being vulnerable and open ourselves. And I believe that it starts there to foster this community of sharing needs and meeting needs. The only way needs can be met is if we share them. If we know what we're going through. If we know what's happening. Like, I didn't know you lost your job. Like, tell me. Like, I want to know if you're running out of money. I want to know if you don't have any food. I want to know if you're not okay. And that's the type of atmosphere we need uh, to foster in our church, in our community. But again, don't get me wrong. It starts first with God. It's it's a heart set. We We need to first come to God with our needs and cry out and be real. And it's okay. Like, yell, be angry. Like, whatever. Like, God can handle all that. Like, God wants to know what you're going through. He already does. He just wants to hear from you as his children, he's our dad, he's our father. And as sons and daughters, he like wants us to come up to him and cry out like, I'm hurting, like I'm broken, I'm, I'm in need father. But then, it starts with God. But then we need to reach out and ask for help to one another. Like we have to let others in to our pain. And when it comes to money, <laughs> Come on, guys, like we would admit, that's the last thing any of us want to talk about or ask for help for. But here's the deal we get it. We all live in Hawaii. Who are we fooling? Not many of us have money anyway. So, like, we can guess, like, if you lose your job, like, or like, we can guess if you don't have enough work that you're gonna be hurting pretty soon, if not right away. But, guys, here's the deal. Like, we have to remember, like, we're in this together. Like, I'm not in the room with you right now. I mean, I'm on the screen. But we have to remember, like, we're still in this together. We're not isolated and alone. Paul, in 1 Corinthians 12, describes the church as a body, the body of Christ. There's many parts and members, but it makes up a unified whole. And when one member of that body suffers, we all suffer. When one rejoices, we all rejoice. That's what family does. Like, that's what the church does. And so family instead of seeing your personal situation as one of despair and isolation, please see it as an opportunity for God to show you that he can provide for you through his church, through us, through one another. Like in the same way that God wants to meet our needs, he wants to use us as his instrument to meet your needs. Like, it's, it's both and. And so church... Once we are able to share needs, then we get this incredible joy to take those needs, which we heard, and we take them first to God, right? God, here's this need, so-and-so lost her job, so-and-so is is out of work, so-and-so is sick, so-and-so is hurting, so-and-so is not doing well. We get the actual joy to take those needs to the feet of Jesus, right? We get to engage in prayer on your behalf. And if you didn't tell us, we wouldn't even know how to pray. We couldn't pray for you. I want to know. We all want to know each other's needs so that we first and foremost can pray. But then we get the honor, and I believe it's an honor, to be a part of God using the resources he's entrusted us with to help meet each other's needs. And again, this isn't an easy task, especially in light of this like climate of self-preservation. It becomes an issue of the heart where even if we have much right now, because there's an uncertainty of the future, we need to all check our hearts and lay, lay everything that we have, our time, talent, and treasure, our jobs, our resources, our finances, our bank account, whatever it is, we need to lay it down at the feet of Jesus because it's not ours anyway. We may think it's ours, but none of it is. And say, God, this is yours. How would you want me to help others with this? Do you want me to meet that need that I just got that text about? How do you wanna do that, God? How would, you, how would you do that? How would you want me to do that? And honestly, I am so blessed to have already heard about like what you guys are doing. Like, I've gotten many texts from you like, hey, let me know if people need help, uh, people need me to shop for them. Is this is from our church. Uh, do you need me to go to the store, grocery shop? You guys are wanting to donate money just to the church so that we can disperse it when we hear needs. This is incredible. And honestly, however long this lasts, again, I hope it's shorter than longer. But my like desire and fervent prayer that I would love if you would join in with me is that we would be a people like so open and vulnerable. Like we're sharing needs. Like we don't, yeah, we're just an open book. Like I'll I'll let you know how I'm doing. Not only that, but we would be so ready to give whatever we had so that none of us were in need. That is, that's the narrative of the early church. It wasn't like, oh, well, some people were still, or I don't know where they went, couldn't meet everybody's need, did the best we could. It was like, no, we're selling everything. No, no one's, no one's hurting here. It was so family oriented. It was so together. When one member suffers, they all suffered. And guys, this is the vision for the church that we have to live into. And to be honest, um, I believe that this isn't, you know, I believe that there's beautiful things awaiting for us in this season. Um, It's going to happen a lot more where there's needs are going to arise. And uh, I believe that God wants to do a beautiful thing in the midst of of brokenness. And some practical ways that we've already put in place that I want to let you know about is that we're trying to not only um, make it Uh, very normal in your Ohana groups to do this, like please share needs in your Ohana groups or small groups or with friends and family, but also we have a a hobnob online digital community. It's an app. If you're not on that, I sent it out to a lot of you, but if I don't have your cell phone numbers, then please email aloha at realityhnl.com. That's gonna be probably the best way that we can ask for prayer and share needs. But also, as always, you can reach out to the church on any email or on any um, social media. But once again, we would be amiss if we just ended this video right now and said, that's us, that's the church, we're good. Because once again, the church is not ever supposed to be some special club so insular that only these practices or benefits or traits are shown in it alone. Like what we practice and exercise here, and what I just said, is the way in which we love our neighbor. Like it carries out, like it goes forth to everyone. And if there's ever a time to exercise this, it would be now, like, And so what would that mean? What would it it mean uh, to meet the needs of our community? What would the the meeting of our needs of our community look like? What would loving our neighbor right now look like? And so how can we love them? in, in, In where they are? Well, in one way, it's staying inside. Like what we're doing right now. Like social distance is actually loving those that are most vulnerable. Like those that that aren't their immune systems or our kapuna. Like it is loving that we're actually making sacrifices to keep distance from one another. How would loving our neighbor look right now? It'd be maybe shopping for kapuna, for um, your parents or aunties and uncles, or even your neighbors. Or maybe it's the time where you've never even met your actual neighbors and it's time to just check on them from a safe distance. Are you okay? Do you need anything? And if they are older, like ask them, do you need me to shop for you? Is there anything I, I can do for you? How we love our neighbor right now is check on each other, right? Ask how they're doing. Maybe that person that you haven't seen in a long time. Maybe it's a coworker because now you're not working next to them. Uh, maybe it's a friend back in high school that you're just wondering how they're doing. Like, this is the time to love people. Uh, it's also the time, guys, to really be mindful. Like, let's support small businesses while we can. Like, If you're a small business owner, which many of you are, you're like screaming yes and amen right now because that's your livelihood and there's still the ability um, to do some of that. Take out orders or get a gift card and almost give you a small loan by doing that. Like we get a gift card from you, spend it later. But guys, like supporting local businesses is a huge way we can love our neighbors. Guys, this week I saw some of you and... You're, get, you're going to become a saint for this, honestly. You guys were posting on your Instagram that you were giving away toilet paper. Like guys, are you, I was like it just made me so happy because literally that's the thing that people are hoarding, and you are giving it away. Like that is the church. I know that's so silly, but that is so real right now. Um, guys, the way we can love our neighbors is be kind. Like and the list goes on. But to sum it up. The way in which we do any of this in the church or outside of the church is that we look for those in need and we take those needs to Jesus and we ask how we can be a part of meeting those needs right, either in the church or outside the church, in order to live out any of this has to come from the Holy Spirit doing the work in our own hearts and freeing us from living out of self-preservation and rather living, hearts, uh, living our lives from a place of radical, self, self-sacrificial generosity. And as apprentices, like there is no need to look any further for a model example of this than the life of Jesus. Like the lifestyle of Jesus is perfectly lived out to the point of death with our loving Lord and Savior and our Rabbi King Jesus. Like the lifestyle of sacrificial giving is summed up in his life. And the culmination of this, of his life, is what he did upon the cross. Right? He gave his life to save us. He took our place for us. Like we deserved to die for our sin. But he took our sin and he paid our debt for us and he did it by giving up his life. This is the definition of radical self-sacrificial generosity. And so look no further to a more radical self-sacrificial and generous person than our Lord and Savior. That is why it's so important that in this season that we cannot forget the cross. Like we cannot forget the sacrifice of our Lord and Savior and what he did on our behalf. And that's why a practice that the early church would regularly do that we're actually gonna talk about more next week, but we wanna do today is take communion. And so if you're in your home right now, uh, if you haven't already, please grab some bread or crackers or some juice and a little wine. And I wanna take a moment and lead us through communion and so if you have that um, in front of you, Jesus instituted this and he said, as often as you do this, do it in remembrance of me. As you take the bread, remember that my body was broken on the cross for humanity. And then as you take the juice, that my blood was spilt out on the cross on your behalf. As often as you do it, do it in remembrance of of me. So let's do that now and take a moment just to pause and reflect upon the cross. As we enter in to this time of worship, and yes, we're having some more worship, second so set. I wanna allow, let's allow our Lord's example and the power of the Holy Spirit to like have full reign to do this work in us and to make us a people that, are, that love our neighbors in this way. Let's do that now. Father, we thank you that you're the same yesterday, today, and forever, and that we can trust in you. And as we go into a time of worship, we want to do just that. As we sing these lyrics, as we declare these truths, as we see these words upon these these screens in our living rooms, in our homes, God, we want to praise you because we believe that they are true and that you died for us and you rose again and there is much hope in who you are and what you've done for us. And so God, we wanna worship you now for who you are and what you've done.